If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's essentially the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need on one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your pod right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your pod on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey guys, welcome to Let's Process This with Melinda Hill. We are happy you're here. We, meaning me, pretending I'm a we for some reason. Hi. Let's Process This is a podcast about processing and overcoming trauma and transforming it into creative treasure and life treasure because we are not defined by what happened to us, but we are defined by what we do with what happens to us. Hello. We also talk creative process, like how does stuff get made? How are people making things? How are people making it through things? My intention is that you will feel inspired and empowered and illuminated by the insights that you find here. And also, of course, entertained. Some quick announcements for you. If you're so inspired, please support this podcast by subscribing for free wherever you get your pods and rating it and leaving a nice review. Yummy, yummy review time. You can become a patron now directly on anchor.com or on patreon.com. So hop over there and become a patroon. You can access all this stuff at my website, melindahill.com. If you can do all or any of that, we are so grateful. We, of course, just meaning me. Another announcement for you. Very exciting. My comedy special, Inappropriate, is now out. What? Yes! I am so excited to share this comedy special with you. You can get it at melindahill.com or wherever you get your specials. It's also a comedy album. And you can get that wherever you get your comedy albums. The special is called Melinda Hill, Inappropriate. Few people said a few things about it. Hollywood Chicago says, combine the hilarity of prime observational comedy with the zen of inner peace, and you have Melinda Hill's stand-up special, Inappropriate. The sharp master of laughs delivers an hour of riffs on her life and her loves. Off the Tracks goes on to say, Melinda's special is bold, funny, and deep. A hilarious comedy hour jam-packed with laughs. Speaks to her development as a joke writer and deliverer, but also arrives at exactly the right time. Ooh, we love arriving at the right time. Gotta love that divine timing. Guys, did I mention that we are so happy that you are here today. Thank you so much for all of your support. Let's get into it, shall we? Now, let's welcome my fabulous guest, Tara Strong, the woman of the hour. Tara Strong 
is a prolific voice actress, activist, and vegan. Her roles include animated series such as Rugrats, The Powerpuff Girls, The Fairly Odd Parents, really too many things to name. Like every cool animated thing Tara is a part of, she has earned an Annie Award and Daytime Emmy nominations and won an award from the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences. Hi, Tara. Hi, cute staff. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm just so overwhelmed. Like, haven't you found like your busier? <laughs> yes, truly. Truly. How are you doing it? How are you managing being busier during a pandemic? So um, this um, this is my home studio and I've got my, you know, mic here. I work every day right here. I do press stuff right here. I do, you know, any of the activism stuff like right here. Um, but I'm leaving town Friday for Toronto. I'm going to start shooting a new series, which I'm really excited about. Um, can you say what it is or is it top secret? I think I can't say yet, but um, it's really cool. It's like such a departure from anything I've done before. So I'm excited to do that. I'm excited to talk about it. I will talk about it soon. What's the part? Um, can you say is the part secret too? Um, probably, but she's not something you'd ever expect from me. She's she's not a good human. She's a, she's, she's. She's basically like a female Walter White. <laughs> oh my God, Tara, that's such a cool part for you. Did you audition? Did you have to audition for that? Yeah, and you know, the exciting thing for me personally is, you know, I grew up in Toronto. I've um, been working since 13, and um, I <clears throat> had a very well rounded career in Toronto. I did theater, I did film, I did a lead on a sitcom. I, I also did animation, and then here, you know, in LA, they go, you're the comedian, you're yeah. the soap actor, you're the commercial actor, you're the voice actor. So my on-camera's taken a backseat to animation because my animation career's blossomed so much, which, by the way, I'm not complaining about. I have the most amazing career. Like, it's beautiful, it's awesome. I get to work, you know, you know, every day and still see my kids. It doesn't matter what you look like, blah, blah, blah. But creatively, of course... I love doing other things. And, you know, we got to do that pilot together with EG, which was so much fun. And so the last five years, I'd say on camera wise, I booked because um, it was someone that I knew, people that I knew like that pilot or they were a fan of mine. But cold audition, I haven't done in a while. That's this exciting. Like they did not know who I was before I sent in my audition tape. And they were so, like, happy with what I did. I don't know if you've had this experience where the character calls for something that they have in mind. And you kind of go, I get that, but I think I'm going to change their mind and just veer a little bit this way. And that's what happened in this case. And I, I wish I could be more detailed about it because it would make more sense later. I'll fill you in. But it was one of those things that I changed their mind about who this person should be. And that sort of changed her character in this show. And, like, I just spoke to wardrobe and hair and makeup and all the people involved are like we're so excited to have you on set and like it's just this very cool exciting new energy that i haven't had in a very long time and she's a series regular i'm going to be in toronto from august to mid-december um and it's just exciting it's just like a really cool time in my life that i'm very grateful for that's so exciting i'm so yeah. excited for you well you're such a great actress and you and you should be doing both you know why you, you can't look like that and not be on camera. Come on now. 
Um, and I also love like so many things I've booked are because I took that that curveball and that chance to it said absolutely don't be a valley girl and I did something right. that my intuition told me instead. But right. So what is your audition process? I mean, let me ask you: Is there anything that like what are you the most proud of accomplishing in your career? You've accomplished so much, too much really to even talk about. But like, what's your favorite kind of top things? Well, I would say currently, and it's been the theme for a while, is prior to the internet, I don't know that animation actors really knew how beloved they were. And now people type in who's the voice of Timmy Turner or who's this, and they get to learn who you are and they get to send love through the internet, through studios and at Comic-Cons. And for me, I grew up with um, a heavy set mom, a sister that was different. I witnessed bullying at home and the after effects every single day. So it's always been part of my platform. And being able to meet fans at cons, which I really miss, and um, celebrating their differences. Comic cons are this environment where nobody's weird because everybody's weird. So it's all love and there's no um, gender discrimination, age discrimination, color of your skin, who you worship, who you love. And when I go to these cons and I meet people and they burst into tears and they tell me how much what my character meant to them, you know, in probably most cases Raven, you know, growing up, a lot of kids feel different, feel alone, feel weird or whatever. And I've had so many people come showing up dressed as Raven from Teen Titans saying, you don't know how much your character saved my life, changed my life, got me through a depression, got me through feeling suicidal, feeling alone, my parents divorced, whatever it is. And we cry together and I hug them and I hold them. And like, I've had the most extraordinary experiences. You know, I've talked about this a few times, but there was a girl dressed as Raven that was talking and talking and talking and talking. And I looked over and I saw her mom like really crying. And I went over to make sure she was okay. And she said, my daughter is severely autistic. She hasn't spoken in five years. She heard you were coming. She didn't shut up. And it's like, I'm watching the mom and this girl like have this experience. And it's so beautiful to be able to bring life to a character that means so much to so many people. So I think looking back at all the little puzzle pieces that got me to where I am, those experience, those experiences, those one-on-one -on -one experiences, certainly when I can influence people, make people feel happy, love seen around the world on Twitter, that's my biggest platform. Those things are at this stage, you know, career-wise, what I'm most proud of, even more important than booking something that's like, a dream come true job like my dream come true job for sure was the little mermaid sequel i don't know what little girl didn't want to be a little mermaid but my dad passed away a couple years ago and i still had the little mermaid poster in my childhood bedroom when we were selling the house like meeting jody benson i like burst into tears like i totally fangirled and singing with her in studio like i could have died the next day so you know that kind of dream job was awesome but i've had so many extraordinary like i don't know what horseshoe i was born under but extraordinary jobs extraordinary experiences like we could go on for days and days and you probably tell me to shut up eventually but that i think being able to touch other people in a positive way and feel good about themselves and feel okay about themselves is what i'm most proud of yeah that's amazing and what do you attribute it to like um do you think you were born under a lucky star what is your lucky star? I, I think I must have been to 
have had the opportunity to breathe life into so many iconic, important characters, especially strong female characters. You know, how many people can say I was Raven, Batgirl, Harley? I mean, Bubbles, Twilight Sparkle, like all these strong female characters that really help young girls and friends of young girls feel strong and powerful. And of course, I know I came with gifts. I knew when I was four or five years old, I wanted to be a singer, dancer, actress. Like my parents were not in the business. I had to beg them to get an agent. The closest thing was my grandfather was a cantor. So like I really pushed them. It wasn't a case of my parents thinking, you know, let's get this kid in showbiz. It was something that I came with the same way my son came with musical abilities. Like since he's five, he could pick up a guitar and play anything. I'm sure you knew very young you were here to make people laugh and entertain people. And I feel lucky that we came with those gifts because often when people are so good at so many things and they're not laser focused on one career, it can be challenging. But when you come with these gifts and you know you want to share these gifts, it's the gift to know that I don't have to worry about all the other things. I just know that I have to figure out how to share this part of myself. So um, I feel really lucky. I, I don't have an explanation for it, but I do know I have a lot of angels. I feel them around me all the time. I see all kinds of signs all the time. I feel my mom who's passed all the time. Um, and I think if we're open to those signs and open to feeling things, seeing things, trusting your instinct, trusting your gut, I think it's really important. Yeah, and that's how we're led. Are you? Do you have like a spiritual practice that you do to tap into those those guides? You know, um, it's funny. I I first saw like the secret maybe ten years ago or whatever it was like really popular, and I watched it thinking this is so funny. Like I do this by nature. I've always done this by nature. I knew, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot. I had a pretty small house. Um, my parents weren't wealthy. It wasn't like I was born with a silver spoon. But I always knew I would live in Hollywood and be successful. I always knew I was going to be in TV and film. And it was never a question. Like, I'm not someone that ever worries about money. Or even when I was, like, eviction notice broke when I first moved to town, I really struggled to get my footing here. So I know that I live in positivity and the laws of attraction. I do spend time in meditation that I um, create my own on the day. Like I'll just sit quietly. I'll either do guided meditations that are online or think of certain things that are affecting me during the day and just get quiet and try to listen to inner voices. Um, but I also love fun things that might be considered kitschy. I like tarot readings and I have this kick-ass friend, Joey, who's an amazing medium, like amazing. He's ridiculous i'm sure you've heard from him from gray he's he's like the greatest ever um and i make my own ritual like i have my own little things that i like to do that just sort of come to me and feel authentic and i try to instill magic in my kids and let them know like there's definitely something out there so don't be afraid of that and my older son is so into all of that he loves talking about aliens and ascension and why we're here and he's got me totally hooked on stargate oh my god i wanted to do so much writing during covid and all i do on my spare time is stargate it's really it's terrible it's embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> so what are you wanting to write during covid special projects yeah i love writing you know i've had a couple of scripts that i've written in animation be produced i've been in development a few times um, I really like to write. So I have a film that's, I have a couple films that have been 
in the back of my mind for a long time and another series that I am working on finally. But you know, like how it is when it's like time to sit down and make yourself do it. It's challenging. You really have to just be in the right headspace to write. And sometimes I feel like, you know, it's such a valuable time during quarantine to be able to do all that. But then when I'm done working, when I'm done press stuff, when I'm done cameos, I don't know if you do those, but like at the end of the day, I'm like, I just want to turn it off. Like I said, watch Stargate. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally relate. So like, what is that process for you? Do you wake up and try to set a time to write early in the morning? Or do you do like some people do like 10 minutes? Like I've been doing 10 minutes during this time. I'll just set a That's good. Timer for you know what? No, minutes. I haven't, but I should do that. I I should do that. I would do I think that's a good idea. I think if you make yourself have a schedule, it's probably better. Um, because no, I just write randomly and it's not it's not efficient. But I should I think I'm gonna take advice from you right now and set aside ten minutes a day. Ten minutes <laughs> makes you feel good because you because anyone can do that, even if you're exhausted yeah. and you're like, yeah. Oh, I did it for the day, and then your mind keeps writing while you're doing yeah. your cameos and everything else. Um well, so like what um did you ever have like a part you really wanted that you didn't get? Yeah, that's happened of course. Um actually what propelled me to move to Los Angeles, I, I always knew when I was a kid that I wanted to. Um, but I had several callbacks for Bell for Toronto's production of Beauty and the Beast. And I wanted that thing so bad. And I didn't get it. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to go to L.A. I was like 19 or 20. And I wanted that part so, so badly. And I didn't get it. So I was like, okay, it's time. It's time to go. Um, And for sure, there were other on-camera projects that would have been awesome um, that I didn't get. Um, But mostly, I think that if you didn't, you weren't meant to. And someone else was meant to for whatever reason. So I can be sad about it, but I don't hold on to it for too long. And I'm happy for the people that got it because they were meant to get it for whatever reason at that time in their life. And I think the entertainment industry is so fascinating. There's certainly room for everyone and there's so much stuff going on that it's silly to be catty or wish ill of someone. Like there's, you'll have your stuff, they'll have their stuff. And it's also one of those extraordinary industries that it doesn't matter how badly you want it or how beautiful or how interesting or talented you are. So much of it is timing. Yeah. So, you know, whenever that was meant to be for me, that will be for me. Like this job that came up, the timing is so great. I booked it before COVID happened and I was really struggling with trying to figure out how to go do it because I'm so busy here that I didn't know how I could find the time to get away. And now Toronto is doing much better than Los Angeles. They're going back with the next stage. They have all kinds of great protocols for quarantine and I have Oh, there you are. Yeah, there you are. Um, So now that everybody knows how to work um, remotely, that's all set up. My kids aren't going back to school. They're doing remote so we can all go and be together. And like, it's just this weird, cosmic, awesome timing that I can get away and go be with my family and my friends that I grew up with. Everybody's so excited to have me. So (laughs) Canadians are really sweet. (laughs) So I'm excited to be around my people again. I am so excited for you. You're going to rock that. What was your process? (laughs) Like when you got the audition, like what is your process with creating that character? That's a good question. I, um, you know, often when you have an on-camera audition, you don't have a ton of time. So as soon as I get the copy, I break it down. I start reading it. 
I start reading everything about it, all the stage directions. If I can get the full script, I'll read the full script. And then I'll really try to um, create a reality in my head of who this person is, where she came from, why she is, why she is, who her friends are, who she laughs with, who she drinks with, who like, I'll create a whole world in my head for her and then I'll write it down. I'll often write like sort of a journal or a monologue for that person so that I can tap into it when I'm thrust into certain situations. I will try as much as possible to be off the book. I think it's really important. Um, I've heard some people say it's good to hold the script to know that you're malleable and able to change it but for me if I'm holding it and I have to revert to it too much I won't be authentically in that moment so I try to um memorize it and just in you know I'll make little notes on my script I do that for voiceover or for animation and I almost do like music notes on my script like I remember oh I wanted to go up on this line I wanted this to be a question and I'll put like a musicality to everything that I'm doing because so much of acting is musicality music Mm -hmm. and um and then when I'm there in those moments, just really try to put myself in those moments. The same is for animation as is for on camera, where you have to imagine everything you're going through. So if you're doing an audition, you have to imagine everything around you, the other people around you, who you're talking to, listen to them, imagine those moments, put yourself in those scenarios and authentically be in those moments. And like I said, that goes for on camera and voiceover. You'd be hard pressed to watch an animated session where someone's just standing there. They're going to move around within the parameters of the microphone. They're going to feel all those moments. You know, there's a video game where the Joker dies and Harley's devastated and she's crying. Well, I was really crying in those moments. I was mourning my love in those moments. So you have to really be in those moments to authentically sell them to an audience. I think a lot of on camera. I think a lot of people don't realize that. They just think you're just using your voice. It's voiceover. They don't realize it's a whole acting job with the world. Like where did you learn to break down and do this whole process, creative process with your auditions? Did you study acting? Yeah, you're so right. Like often people say to me, oh, I have a really funny voice. I want to do voiceover. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You have any acting experience. It has to come from acting. It has to come from an authentic place. Um, And yes, I studied very young. I took all kinds of scene study. I took commercial classes and TV classes and film classes and I th- and singing lessons. And I think the most valuable for animation in particular is improv. I'm a Second City grad from Toronto and I think when you do those classes and you learn how to create characters and you learn all about the world of those characters, it's imperative for being in a studio because often they'll say, hey, we need a mom now. We need a little kid here. We need a little guy. We need whatever it is. And for animation, they pay you one scale rate for up to three characters. So they're going to choose someone that's versatile that can give them all these different moments. And if you have that training, then you're going to be more confident in the moment to go, I know this character, I have this character, I can create that character. So acting has to be the starting ground for anything you do in entertainment, whether it's commercial copy, even if it's something really quick commercially, you're going to have to know what that person's doing in those moments, who they're talking to, how they feel about whatever. Every single thing you do, whether it's voiceover, stage, dance, singing, it all has to come from your training. And I think that's really important. I tell everybody, because I get to ask this question a lot at cons or doing things like this, how you get your start. You have to take acting training for sure. Okay, cool. And like when you're like hit, when you're getting a, a role, when you're seeing the role, it's like, do you hear the voices as soon as you see like when you see the part, do you start to are, like when I'm writing and I'm writing a character, I'll just hear their voice. They just start talking to me and I'm like really channeling it. Do you feel like you yeah. have a sense of channeling characters 
or do you feel like you're creating them or both? Um, yeah, it's, I, I get that too. I hear you. I, and probably maybe a little bit of both for sure. Things get channeled. Like I'll get an audition. I'll be right here in my studio and the audition will include a drawing of the character, a character breakdown, the sides, which for those who don't know is a portion of the script that you audition with. Sometimes we'll get a full script or a show Bible to understand everything about their world. And then I, as the actor have to try to think what production has in mind. What do they think this character should sound like? And then with that, I elaborate and create characters in my mind. And I'm conscientious about not having the same voice live in different universes. So I'll have to, even if I'm doing five different, you know, 10 year old girls, they're all going to have something distinct about them. So I have to create that. And often something will come to me out of nowhere. And I think that's where the channeling comes in. You know, my most famous story of course with that is raven at the time i was doing like five different tragic teenage girls i was doing bad girl i was doing kylie from extreme ghostbusters sharina wicket from detention ingrid third from a show called fillmore like i was already doing this sort of dark teen role and when i got the audition for teen titans i thought i was going to book starfire because the character description said she's a grown-up bubbles well i am a grown-up bubble so that's going to be easy for me and I went into the studio, and, and when I read Raven, it was very similar to my own voice, which is similar to Batgirl, which I'm already doing for the same network. So in the audition, I was just in the acting space, and I didn't really think of how I could make this voice sound distinct. And I actually walked out of the studio, and then I looked at Andrea Romano, the director, and I said, can I try one more thing? And it was total, like total god shot like i just stood in the studio and since she was half demon i had this idea that she had this weird role every time she said anything and everyone just kind of looked at me and they're like oh that's it and i had no idea before that moment that i was going to do that character so yeah you often channel and i think as the actor you know this too and when you're improvising or when you're in a an, in an audition process and they throw something new at you you just have to be ready to hear those voices and to be unafraid to sort of jump into those situations. Yeah, and not hold on to your agenda if they're like, hey, right. do this. Um, yeah, and I think also it comes in when you have all that preparation, you have all your great preparation and you're available for those impulses. Um, do you, what's happening with your pilot that you produced that I'm in? Oh my gosh, well, I just saw some clips of it because I had to do ADR. Did you have to do any ADR? No. I just had to do a couple lines and it looks great, by the way. Awesome. It looks really good. And I also got to see some of Aiden's. My son is in the pilot, so I got to see some of his scenes because he's going to be going out for stuff in Toronto. And it looks really, really, really good. You're so hilarious. I mean, you're so funny in this. EG said it's really coming together. It looks really good. I hope it gets picked up. I think we'd have a blast. It's a funny concept, so that'd be fun. Yeah. I don't know anything about the pit where they are pitch-wise, but... As, as the latest information I heard is that it's really coming together and it's really funny and everybody looks great. I love it. That that was so yeah. fun to do. That would be so, so fun to do fun. more. It's oh um, You girls are so funny. You crack me up. Like, which do you prefer, producing or writing or acting? Um, well, I would say the most fun I have anytime is acting. I've done some directing and animation. They brought me in to Disney to um, cast some shows and direct some shows. And um, 
when you're wearing a producer's hat or worrying about other things, that's cool and you feel very empowered. It's awesome. But where my happiest place is, is performing for sure. Like, I, I don't know that I would ever be able to give up performing for for the other side. I think as long as I can maintain doing both, I'd be really happy because my spirit is always happiest when I'm performing for sure. Yeah, you're such a natural born performer. And like, have you ever, have you encountered obstacles in, on the way to your successful career? And if so, like, how did you overcome those? I mean, for sure. It, anyone who thinks it's easy and it's handed to you is just out of their mind. Even when there's strong nepotism, like, there's no question that Drew Barrymore has proven herself. If she was a crappy actress, nobody would care or love her. Um, so when you are in this business, you're constantly having to prove yourself. And um, for me, probably the biggest break in my career, and I, I don't mean break like good thing, I mean pause, was when I moved here. Because in Toronto, I was already very established. I had well over 20 animated series to my name. I had TV, film, theater. So coming here, it was like, even though a lot of that production was American co-production with Canada, I was an unknown entity in the States. So it took me a while to get going and I was eviction notice broke. And I remember crying in my apartment thinking like, do I go back home? Cause there I know I book consistent work. Like nobody cares that I'm here. There's a billion people here. And it was scary. And the interesting thing is my very first animated role was the title role of Hello Kitty. I was 13. And that was given to me by a woman named Marsha Goodman. And it was totally ironic that I booked this part. My parents had a toy store. I grew up in a toy and candy store and they were the first to import Sanrio into Canada. Like I have pictures of me and my dad in the Hello Kitty furry suit. So it was so cool that at 13, I got to play that part. But when I was the most broke, the most scared in California, Marsha Goodman, the same woman that gave me uh, Hello Kitty, called me personally and said, hey, we're redoing Gadget. We're doing a show, show called Gadget Boy and Heather. Will you be my Heather? So she really resurrected me twice. She saved me twice. So I owe a lot to, to Marsha who saved me in, in L.A. And then after, after I did that show, I booked Batgirl, the Powerpuff Girls, and 100 and one Dalmatians, which was, you never see this anymore today, a hundred guaranteed episodes. So it was those three jobs that kind of put me on the map and people started noticing like, who's this girl? So I'm pretty grateful for that time in my life. Wow. So like, what was the turnaround from the eviction notice on the door? Like, walk me through, like, what did you do to get through I mean, that? To when she, I'm telling you, it was tough. It was tough. And when she called me to say I had this job, I remember just bursting into tears of elation, like, wow, I'm saved here. This has always been my dream to try it here. So, um, you know, I was I was so happy to not have to borrow money from my parents or um, think about going back home. I was solid for a little while. And booking, like, Powerpuff Girls, Batgirl, like, Batgirl, like, I remember going to that audition and seeing um, – huge celebrities in that room on camera and voiceover legends and thinking, Oh my gosh, I, I have a shot. Like I, I want this so bad. I grew up collecting Batman stuff. So I was a huge comic nerd for Batman Batgirl. So when I booked that job, my agent, I remember on my answering machine, he's like, Oh my God, you're her. You're the bat. You're the girl that's the bat. You're Batgirl. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> it was such a freaking magical time. Like I'm sitting in the studio between Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy, like 
pinching myself and just like so happy to to be there every day and then powerpuff girls you know i booked this job which seems completely ridiculous at first and suddenly every kid has the backpack um so it's just was a magical lucky time for sure did you tell your landlord like don't worry i'm gonna figure this out or were you just like calling people like i need a job anyone or like did you just pray what was the secret sauce yeah, I think um, I didn't communicate with my man with my landlord at the time because I was actually afraid of him. He was mm. kind of um, a me too problem at that time, mm. so I didn't communicate much with him. I remember crying and being scared, but I also remember, like you said, holding on to the laws of attraction, positivity. I meant I'm meant to be here, and even if I like applied for another job. I knew I wasn't going to get that job. I knew I wasn't going to do that. I've been able to work in entertainment since 13, never had to take another job, which is unheard of. I'm so lucky. Um, and something in me just knew it was going to be okay. And I always stayed positive no matter what. And I, I don't know like how to describe that moment where I knew I was okay, other than I just knew I was going to be. Even in those moments where you feel sadness and you feel fear, knowing that you're gonna be okay is really important. Okay, now let me ask you this. Do you still have that positivity? Like currently, like when things are challenging, do you, is that how you get through? 100%, all the time. And by the way, I don't want people to think that it's all the time and I'm awesome at it because you have moments where you feel sadness or you're not authentic. And in those moments, you have to remember to put yourself in that good feeling space. It's certainly challenging during quarantine. You know, the world is crazy. We still see a lot of sadness and insanity in the world, certainly in this country with this ridiculous president, with kids still in cages without their parents. Um, with the racism that we see every day. It's challenging when you are faced with all the things that you fight against as someone who wants to help other people. It's very challenging. So I try to, for the most part, stay positive, and my work helps me stay positive. My work, I'm so lucky to be able to get paid to do what I love. Um, you know, I worked with Stan Lee before he passed, and he was like 96 years old. He came in to do a Spider-Man, and he was really healthy and good looking and happy and fun. I'm like, what is your secret? And he said, do what you love, get paid to do what you love and never retire. And I was like, yes, that's right. Like if I didn't love what I do, I wouldn't do it. And I recognize that that's a gift. So I feel very lucky. But my advice to other people would be that like, don't stop until you're getting paid to do what you love. Um, and every day I'm grateful. Every day I'm happy. If I'm feeling sad and something's affected me in a negative way, I get in this room you know, yesterday I had a Zoom group record and it was me and Cree Summer, who I've been working with since I'm 13. She was in Hello Kitty with me. She's a soul sister for sure. And most people in, in voiceover, as you know, are like the nicest, sweetest, most supportive. You don't get the same catty bullshit that you do. No. Sorry, I'm swearing. No. Um, real people, uh, real solid people. Yeah. And so we're all just like loving each other and impressed with each other. And like, oh, it just fills your soul so much to be able to do what you love and, and get paid to do what you love. So my work for sure keeps me on a positive path. And my kids too. My gosh, I'm so lucky that I get to be with them every day. And even though it's challenging, like we've been bonding so much and like you know I taught them mahjong and we learned how to make dumplings and pasta from scratch <laughs> you know it's been pretty great
That's really great. I love that you're yeah. just, yeah, I think that's the key is like using what's here, like enjoying what is here. Right. Because there is, even if it's just time, you know, yes. with your loved ones, which is actually a lot. So um, awesome. Well, um, do you think, like, what's your create, do you improvise a lot? Is that part of your creative process? Or do For you sure. pretty much just honor the words on the page or is it a hybrid? Yeah, it depends on the show. Like some shows you have more freedom to improv with and some shows they like you to stick to the script. In the audition stage, I always tell people um, it's okay to improv, but also you should honor the writing because the writers like what they've sent out and you don't want to insult anybody. So don't completely change it. But if something is, sometimes they don't proofread and something, some things don't make sense. So read it, make sure it makes sense. And if something you have to change a little bit so that it rolls off your tongue easier so it seems more authentic, you can change it. I also think it's good to improvise what they call pre-life or an afterlife for a line. So if your character is like, running and climbing, read the stage directions so you know, and you go, <laughs> okay, we're here, because that's going to affect how you read the line, right? So those little improvisations are important. And then, like I said, when you get um, into a recording studio, it just depends on the show. Some shows like you to improv more, and some shows um, like you to stick to the script, and some can be a hybrid. And do you, like, when you're when you're auditioning, do you go, yeah, I booked that? Like, do you know in your gut? <laughs> do you have a feeling? <laughs> Or do you go like, at, at least it was like booking quality? Do you, I don't know. Do you feel this? I think sometimes when I walk out of a room and I go, oh, I got that. You don't get it. <laughs> do you ever feel that? Yeah. Like, I'm like, I don't want to say that. I don't want to think that. I just want to go, okay, I'm happy with how I did. I know I did a great job. Um, because sometimes you think, oh, I killed that and that's mine. And then you don't get it. And then you feel terrible. So I know when I walk in a room that I'm going to be the best me I can be. I know that I'm going to blow them away. I'm going to be happy with what I did, no matter what. If I'm nervous, if I'm scared, I know I'm going to walk out of there going, I freaking killed that. Um, whether I booked it or not isn't in my hands. I could hope. I hope and I pray. But sometimes if you're too cocky and you go, oh, I got that, then you don't get it. So I try to still stay a little bit humble in that process. Um, that sounds good. And do you ever have to work with challenging people? Like, how do you deal with that? Have you, have you had to deal with me too stuff? For sure, um, over my career I have, and it's so um, important that now it's coming to light so that women have a place to be vocal and stand up for themselves and not put up with um, anything that feels unsafe to them. I've had many experiences, many experiences like that. I've certainly had challenging people, although less in voiceover than in on-camera, but it does exist. I was doing a pilot once, and... Um, the director for the, it was an animated pilot, had only done on camera. And so he wasn't familiar with studio world as much. And um, we were doing a scene and my headphones started malfunctioning and there was like a weird triplicate echo. So when I was speaking, I couldn't really act because I was hearing myself back and over. And so I said, hey guys, there's something wrong with the mic or the headphones. It's it's um it's echoing no it isn't i said yeah it is i i can't hear myself for the next line because i'm hearing what i already did so it's affecting my performance and the director's like stop being so difficult i'm like <laughs> and by the way i'm always nice even when i'm cranky i'm always nice and i was like um and they're like just try again just try again so i read it again same thing and the director started yelling at me and i 
took off the headphones. <laughs> I like just took them off and I said, come in here, come in here. And I had him come in and he put them on and he spoke and he's like, she's right. But the fact that it had to get to that, like this guy was such a prick. I was like, why would I make that up? Like, I want to do a good performance yeah. for you. <laughs> but for the most part, especially animation, people are pretty wonderful. I've only experienced one really horrible um, actor that came in. Most animation people are the sweetest, nicest, most challenging, fun, supportive group. But there was one guy that was sort of new that came in from out of state that just was good at mimicking and um, perfected mimicking a bunch of voices on Scooby-Doo and came in for a movie and in a group session was very cocky, um, was making fun of Frank Welker's age. And for those of you who don't know, Frank Welker is a he's just the sweetest human ever and he is a god in in voiceover and animation and animal noises when you watch a movie and there's animal sounds that's frank welker like he's just a unicorn he's so gifted and to make him feel bad about anything let alone his age was absurd and he was so badly behaved that he never worked again mm. so most people don't um survive this business if they're jerks yeah what do you think about all the me too stuff happening I think it's so important. I'm friends with Alyssa and I'm really proud of her for putting it in the spotlight. Obviously, Tarana Burke was the first to bring it to life. And then when Alyssa tweeted about it, it blew up and it it um, opened the dialogue. So for women who have been afraid to speak up and people still are afraid to speak up, I'm sure I find myself in moments where I don't speak up. But um, it opened the door for people to say, me too. This happened to me too. Because often if you've suffered any kind of abuse um, or feeling unafraid, you're afraid to talk about it or you think you're the only one that suffered that. And I think it's important that people talk about it so you don't feel so alone. And I've spoken to people that are like, I wanted to kill myself because I thought I was the only person that experienced this kind of abuse. And hearing other people talk about it makes you feel less alone, less crazy, because sometimes the abuse defines you. Sometimes you think, I'm the one that survived this, and that's going to define my life. But when you realize how many women have suffered that way, you have to step out of that role and say, no, I'm not going to let this define me. It's certainly going to um, change who I am, hopefully make me stronger, hopefully make me help and protect other women. Um, I, I, I love that scene with Margot Robbie where she said, um, to Charlize's ther character, what was that movie where, um, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, it was all about the Me Too movement with yes. somebody. Yes, uh, I know what you mean. The, having a brain fart, I apologize. Yeah, but, it was um, with all the, the Charlize. Yeah. I can't think of the name, but yes, I know it. Yeah, so when she said, you could have prevented more of us from Bomb getting hurt. Bombshell. I was like, thank you. I, I was like, I, I burst into tears because that's true. When women are um, empowered to speak out about an abuser and they prevent someone else from being abused, I think that's really powerful. Yeah. And so it's so important for so many reasons. We could go on and on and on. And it's time for men to stop thinking that they can treat women this way. Time's up for sure. Um, it's time for people to think they can abuse people, get away with it, do whatever they want, get away with it, use their power um, to make 
females feel trapped in a work environment like if you are uncomfortable in something you should be able to say this makes me uncomfortable without fear of losing your job um your pension whatever you've worked for and i think we are really just starting to peel away at that onion and it's really important to support each other and be there for each other yeah for sure i agree and what do you how do we keep moving towards solution like what is the solution how do we I think the, I think the solution is to keep the dialogue going and not let it sleep the same way we have to keep moving forward with anything that's important. Black Lives Matter. All these movements that are really coming to the forefront, we have to keep talking about it. We have to keep talking about Breonna Taylor. We have to keep talking about injustices so that people don't let them fall to the wayside. And um, the more organizations that prop up to help people, the better. I mean, you know, if you can get involved with these organizations, if you can use their social media platform to be verbal about them, and then once we can go outside again to get in the streets and march, my son's marched with me in the women's marches, and um, you know, you have to keep the dialogue going and just be there for each other. I think if you affect one person in a positive way, it's just as important as affecting globally. Like, don't feel that if you have a small voice, you can't help. Yeah, for sure. And you are so great with your platform because you are constantly, you know, doing activism and like, what are some of the current things that you're supporting? Um, I am very passionate about supporting many things with which sometimes gets challenging if I could focus on one that would be good, but too many are important to me. So of course, the Me Too movement is important. Black Lives Matter is important. Races, R-A-I-C-E-S, is an amazing charity that's helping to get these kids out of jails, reunite them with their families, um, help get legal counsel for immigrants seeking um, status in this country, seeking asylum, really, really important. Um, Anti-bullying is always top of my platform. Animal cruelty is, I can't say enough. I think if people really knew what was going on in slaughterhouses, they would never eat meat. And we wouldn't be in this pandemic right now if we didn't have people eating meat. The planet would be so much better off. And um, I, if I can do something every day to help um, any of those causes, that's awesome. But I also like to help individual causes. Um, a lot of my fans on here are my bronies, which are my adult fans that like My Little Pony, and they're so giving. I mean, um, we raised half a million dollars for kids with cancer just with the bronies alone. And um, I, I... That's amazing. Even, yeah, you know, people reach out to me on Twitter that are super depressed, that just need someone to talk to, that relate to a character. And I've called kids cold called kids i'm like give me your number and they've got a gun in their mouth and i'm like let's let's get through this together and when i see them years later at you know their sister's christening i'm like i'm so glad i could help in any way be there for someone and make them feel like they matter how did you overcome your own bullying as a child did you have any well i i didn't suffer too much bullying except for when my sister left school. So my sister okay. was very bullied at school okay. and I would, I would help her a lot. And I would, like I said before, come home and see the after effects, see her crying. Um, when my mom would get made fun of by adults and children about her weight, I would hold her hand and tell her how beautiful she was no matter what. And I've, I've been witness to so much of it throughout my childhood. And then of course now online and at cons and seeing people, I just, I really have such a hard time. I don't, my mind doesn't comprehend bullying for any reason. And um, the only time I ever 
suffered bullying was when my sister left the school and I thought, oh, you're, Kat, you're Marla's little sister. I'm going to go after you now. And I just ignored it at that time. I just didn't respond at all. And that made it not fun for them. So they left me alone, thankfully. And then I didn't really experience bullying after that. But when I do, I, um, when I see it with other people, I try to help people and stand up for them and say, you know, that's not what matters. And typically the bullies are the people that are insecure and they don't succeed anyway. And most of the kids that were nerdy in high school are running Hollywood now. So be nice to everybody. <laughs> I want to say I really respect how much you've used your voice for activism and also your voice career. You've really, you really help a lot of people and I really Thank admire that. And I wanted to ask you one last thing, which is has veganism changed your life? And, oh, yeah. and how did you get into that? Oh my gosh. So, you know, I'm one of those kids, you know, when you watch the movies of the four-year-old going, I don't want to eat my friend. That was me. Like I, as soon as I knew what an animal was, I didn't want to eat it. I remember very clearly like five or six years old, my mom put something on the table and I was eating it. I'm like, what is this? It's veal. What's veal? Baby cow. Whoa. I was just like, I don't want to eat that. And I am a third generation Russian Jewish girl. And my grandparents were Canadian, were, uh, they, well, I'm obviously from Canada, but they ran a um, catering business in a city that you needed meat to sustain. And a synagogue? I, yeah, I knew at a very young age that I didn't want to eat meat. And I remember I was going to this Royal Winter Fair in Toronto, and they had a cow getting ready for slaughter. And the, the farmer pulled the cow in, and the cow cried, and the farmer backhanded the cow in front of a bunch of kids. And I saw her eye crying, and I'm like, these are big dogs. So at a very early age, I felt the sentient beings and I was like, I cannot eat them. And so I became a vegetarian very young. And uh, about um, five years ago, my older son, who um, used to make fun of me for not eating meat, starts researching global warming and who's living the longest and who's the healthiest. He's like, mom, we have to go full vegan. And I was like, why? And then he showed me all the research he's done. And I was like, right. Right. So it's been five years that I've been full vegan. And when you really start researching, which people don't want to do, and I, I get that, I I don't um, appreciate vegans being told that they're hard or they're bullies or whatever. The truth is vegans love animals so much that it breaks their heart to see them suffering. And they do suffer. Um, even in the kindest of slaughterhouses, animals fear death. They, they have families, they have friends, they have relationships, they want to live. And so you're consuming their fear, you're consuming their sadness. Mm -hmm. And like I say, if you watch these videos, there's not a chance you would eat them. If you had to eat an animal raw and kill it in the wild, you wouldn't eat them. People are addicted to the flavoring and how you know, the family unit comes together over burgers or steak or whatever it is. But luckily now, as opposed to when I was little, there are so many awesome alternatives. Um, there's so many great fake meat companies. Impossible burgers are amazing. I mean, I'm someone that loves vegan chicken burgers. And um, when people say, oh, it's more expensive, it is not more expensive. I have a site called um, tryvegantoday.com, which is full of all kinds of advice and how to get protein. People are always worried that they're not going to get protein, which is another fallacy. And um, you are way, way, way healthier. I encourage everyone to see Game Changers. Have you watched that? I think I've probably seen that. Well, I've seen a lot of, I mean, I've been mostly vegan for like two years. Yeah. Game Changers is so smart. It's it's not about like vegans saying, please do it for sorry for the animals. It's like the science reasoning behind choosing a vegan lifestyle. And it shows what happens to the blood of 
sports stars if they have the burger, if they have some. Broccoli. Oh, yeah, I <laughs> so saw that one. And I, I think I saw forks over knives as well. Yeah, that's a good one, too. So it's just important. And like I said, there's it has to be part of the dialogue when we talk about global warming. And there are so many other ways to sustain. If we didn't have to feed livestock, we could feed the world. And I think when people really start diving into the research and get rid of the addiction to it and get rid of like feeling like it's my life, I'm going to eat what I want. Really like the thing is people don't want to give up meat, which is why they get that get agitated about it. But if you just take a deep breath, really do the research, Google what happens at factory farming and at slaughterhouses, Google the truth about how you can stay healthy, watch movies like Game Changer, Forks Over Knives, check out my website. A bunch of people are asking, um, TryVeganToday.com. There's lots of information online, and um, it'll change your life for sure. You feel so different, and then what happens is you have an aversion to dairy and meat. Have you seen Dairy is Scary? It's a great video. Everybody should watch Dairy is Scary. You would never drink milk again. And I've got friends that have gone vegan and lost all this weight, and I'm like, right, because milk, uh, a mammal breastfeeds a baby to fatten them up, right? There's all kinds of fattening agents in milk, and of course, in the dairy industry, all kinds of horrible chemicals and things to get animals to mass produce. So it's like, you know, once you really do the research, you won't you won't want it, and you'll be disgusted by it, and it's it's a game changer. Just don't be afraid to try. What do you like? What do you eat? Like, what are your favorite dishes? Someone just said oat milk is delicious. I love oat, oat milk. milk oh is so I love good. it so much. I love it at coffee. You know, um, during quarantine, I've done the most cooking that I ever cooked. And we love to make breakfast burritos. We will cook rice and beans and some sort of vegan meat. Like uh, like I said, I love Beyond. My kids love Beyond meat. Do you use um, a crock pot? Because I just discovered how to make beans in a giant crock pot. And you just... You know what? I, it's so I easy. But I should learn that. I haven't. It's but so I should easy. learn that. And then you have yeah. them the whole week. You just scoop them out. I love that. I love that. No, but we'll have a lot of um, burrito stuff because we can mix in all kinds of veggies. Um, and I also um, will make a lot of salads. We'll do, um, like I said, we've had so much fun. We've learned how to make dumplings from scratch. It's so much fun. We do have like a dumpling pot, which is awesome. <laughs> I don't know. We like to mix it up. I love vegan cheeses. There's a great site called um, GOT. Let's get the fuck out. It's vegan. And they have the most, it's like the most amazing vegan superstore. They have this vegan bacon that's insane. And vegan egg, like you really, the good thing about starting to educate and shop around is that you won't miss anything. So are you nervous about going to Canada? Are you going to, are you excited? You're going to be gone six months. Will you come back and visit? Um, so excited to get the heck out of here. <laughs> no offense, that does but sound amazing. Canada's got it down. Their numbers are way down. And um, no, I'm from there. So I'm excited to be with my people. I probably, I cannot come back and forth because there's a 14 day quarantine. Like I can't even walk my dogs when I get there. So um, no, I'm for sure there till mid-December. So we can FaceTime. Okay, good. You know, have some cocktails over Zoom, but. Perfect. Well, I'm so, what, what, what do you have coming up that you want to, do you want to plug anything? Um, well, I'm still doing every day, all the shows that I have been doing DC girls and teen Titans. Um, I'm really excited about crossing swords, which just premiered on Hulu. It's really, really funny. It's, um, Seth Green's company and their, um, stop motion animation is so much fun. Um, you know, just follow me on my socials. It's all at Tara Strong. 
Do you yep. have, how do you, do you have like a bunch of voices in your head all day? Yeah. And if you're friends with me, like you hear them all day, like my friends know, like they're going to hear all kinds of stuff. My son once said to me a few years ago, you know, mom, some kids never know if their mothers love them, but I'm never going to know my mother's real voice. <laughs> <laughs> so I break into funny voices all the time. Oh, one last question. How do you find all the time? How is your time management? You're working all the time. You're a mom. You do all this activism. How? What's the secret? I mean, I don't really know. I just do it. And I just somehow get it all done. Um, sometimes it's challenging. Um, and I have some help, but mostly I do it all myself, especially during quarantine. Um, you know, I've discovered I'm quite good at blow drying my own hair, which I did not know before. And that I don't need my roots done. I kind of like this brownie blondie thing happening. I'm personally um, loving it. Okay. Yeah, right? There's a couple. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I just, I just jump in and do it. Whatever needs to get done, I do it. And I'm sure I could be doing more. Like I said, I'm friends with Alyssa. I don't know how she, like, she's really like out there constantly doing stuff. And she's inspired. She inspires me all the time, but uh, I don't know, just whatever matters to you, whatever makes your heart happy, just try to get in. And, and, and the stuff with my kids isn't a challenge. I actually really enjoy spending time with them. They're awesome humans. What are your last questions? Someone just wrote in this question. What are your favorite shows that you're watching? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I, like I said, I've been obsessed with Stargate. I've watched, I don't know, eight seasons. And then I started, then I started watching Atlantis. I just watched High Fidelity, which I liked a lot. Have you seen that? Um, um, no. Zoe Kravitz and Rainbow Sun Franks. Really good. Um, I, of course, watched Tiger King. Um, uh, other than that, um, I loved um, Fleabag. I loved that so yeah. much. Um, Have you seen Call My Agent? No, I'm for sure behind because of Stargate. Stargate has kept me from watching new things. <laughs> Favorite MLP episode, someone asked. I um, really love Lesson Zero. They're going to know what that is. And I also loved um, the wedding episode. Um, when Twilight became a Pegasus, I love that. There's so many great episodes, but probably Lesson Zero was the best for, for you, Melinda. She's just like Twilight's this character that's sort of, you know, she's the leader of the group. She makes sure everyone's happy. Everyone's getting all their stuff done. But in this episode, she kind of loses it. And she has to admit when she does things wrong and she's worried about being tardy and she just goes crazy. So that was fun for me to sort of step out of her normal um got it under control persona and be this crazy pony. <laughs> how's your mom, how's your mom and your sister doing by the way? Well, my mom passed, okay. um, uh, Sorry. 15, almost 16 years ago, which was very hard. I don't know if you have your parents, but, um, losing them is like the world changes. So that's been hard. My mother-in-law is awesome and we keep in touch. She's an astrologer and she's really fun. Um, and my sister is very happy that I'm coming back to Toronto um, she, um, she and I talk all the time and she's, she's, a, she's, she's just awesome. That's great. Do people know how funny you are? Have you ever considered doing stand up? I'm so impressed with you, Melinda. I, I have been asked that since I'm a kid. I, you know, I, I when I was doing my sitcom in particular in Canada, a lot of the writers like you should do stand up because you walk out and you know there's this writer he's like look at me i'm an ugly fat jewish guy you get out there you're beautiful they automatically like you and you'll be funny and you've got this and i 
am terrified of stand-up. I loved doing Second City. I loved doing improv. And I think there's a part of me that really likes to share the stage. And it's probably out of fear. But, like, being alone on stage and make, making people laugh scares the crap out of me. So, like, kudos to you. I, I, I have not tried it. And I'm, I'm terrified. I think I'm just someone that feels more comfortable sharing a stage. <laughs> Well, you're doing more than enough already, but you, you are super funny. I remember the first time I saw you on a panel, I was like, she is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I think you're hilarious and I don't think everyone's hilarious, but I think you're very hilarious. Thanks, Tara. Is it Tara? Do people call you Tara or Tara? You know, my mom called me Tara and my dad called me Tara and I honestly don't care and I often say both. So you, the good news is you can't get it wrong. Like I'm never going to go, it's Tara. <laughs> <laughs> I usually say Tara more. I don't know why, but now that I'm going back home, most people in Canada say Tara. So I, I, I don't have a preference. I know that's terrible. Like I don't even know my damn name. So <laughs> it's a potato, potato. Okay. Well, the Instagram live says it's running out in one minute. So I just want to thank you so much for stopping by today. So good to see you. Thank you. You too, beautiful. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and um, and everyone, um, check out all Tara's stuff and follow her. And and thanks so much for doing all that you're doing for activism too. I, I always learn so much from your posts. Thanks, honey. Bye. All right. I'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thanks for sticking around. <laughs>